I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Welcome back to Align Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. Today's beautiful episode is with repeat guest, Mr. Ben Greenfield. Uh, Y'all are familiar with him by now, I'm sure. Um, he is New York Times bestselling author, Beyond Training. He is podcast host, Ben Greenfield Fitness. Um, he is a professional athlete. He's rad. He's one of the highest achieving individuals, I think, that I'm associated with. And we get into what makes him tick in the first place with all that. Um, we get into the power of sauna and um, all sorts of really great stuff. I hope you guys really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for tuning into the website, alignedpodcast.com, A-L-I-G-N podcast.com. On there, you can start the five-day movement challenge, breaking down five fundamental things that I think everybody needs to be incorporating into their daily movement practice. Uh, so just jump on there, alignedpodcast.com. Get started on that thing. Um, thank you guys so much for using iTunes. Thanks for sharing this thing. Thanks to all y'all that came out to the workshop at On It this weekend. I'm taking off back from Austin, Texas, going back to Los Angeles here in a couple days. So just big thanks for everybody that came out to support that. And finally, thank you so much to those of you that have grabbed the Align Method online program, which restores function throughout your ankles and your hips and your spine, essentially unwinding the patterns of staring into technology when sitting in chairs. So forward head posture, rolled forward shoulders, all that stuff gets those parts back in order. Um, and there's a seven-day free trial, so you guys can try week one of that thing. So you just go to alignpodcast.com, go into products and programs, and uh, you'll see it right in there. All right, I think we're good to go. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you devour this conversation. Align Podcast. All right, sauna's on. Boo! Cold temperatures have happened. We're completely bastardizing sauna culture right now. Official bell. <laughs> I think in, in Finland they they sit stoically with the giant smoke sauna. We bring a bunch of technology into ours and yeah. What do you think and, about uh, that? What do you think about the chill with our phones? Have you done the, our basketball the, shorts? Have you done the classic the yeah, classic the sauna? Classic smoke sauna in Finland. What's that all yeah, about? The, it's pretty cool. Like at the Finnish Men's Society, they gather at the end of the day for like two hours, and there's there's five different smoke saunas at different temperatures. And some are designed just for you to go in and meditate. You don't you don't speak at all. And others, there you 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 talk very quietly, and it's 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 very um, it's it's uh, almost liturgical. You know, almost feels mm. like you've gone to a church. And then you you go and you jump in the Baltic Sea, and you kind of cool yourself off in the cool air. And then you go back in, you hit the sauna again, stop off for some some fish soup or some beer in the little cafe that they have. Right there in the middle. There's an average of one sauna per household in Finland. Hmm. And so you don't have to go to the to the sauna society, but many people gather there at the end of the day. And, of course, these days everybody knows about the, the research, specifically in Finland, on Finnish men, that four to five times a week of 20 to 30-minute sauna use reduces all-cause risk of mortality by a lot. I mean, it's, it's I forget what it is, but it's like a four- to five-year increase in lifespan. And then you see a decrease in Alzheimer's. That's uh, it's it's also significant. I think Alzheimer's is like sixty percent. Uh, type two diabetes is is lower than that, but still high, like forty percent or something like that. Um, and I think they even isolated for a lot of confounding variables. But the one thing I don't think they isolated for is what you're doing when you're in the sauna, right? Mm. Like you're talking to people. And you're relaxing and you're not watching TV, which we know also leads to not mindless snacking. And it's kind of like uh, alcohol, right? We know alcohol can extend lifespan, but in many places where they're drinking alcohol, they're drinking alcohol with friends, you know, at a dinner right. table, laughing, socializing. There's a lot of dynamics that I don't think you can you can isolate. Hmm. But I wonder. I'm a fan of the sauna. <laughs> yeah, sounds like. I wonder how much of that is is the like the pattern interrupt. You know, we it seems like each day we kind of just layered on top of each other, mm-hmm. and it's continually bombarded by you know now with like social media we we're, we're continually on this this loop. 
and you wake up and boom, right back in your face. Whereas the sauna, it's this container where, you know, in this case, we turned on the phones on airplane mode. But I think a lot of it is just that like purgatory reset. Our sauna at home is a sanctuary, meaning that when I need to have a serious discussion with my boys, where do we go? The sauna. Hmm. When I'm at the end of the day and I need to relax... I go to the sauna. There is no phone in the sauna. There is, there's no, um, it's not a place you go to like, uh, get work done or be productive. You don't drag your laptop in there. You don't bring business books in there. Right. So the sauna is the place where I go to read fiction or read magazines to, to light a stick of Palo Santo and just sit there and meditate. Um, to, to take my boys in and light a candle or flip an hourglass and just stare off into space and relax. Uh, I go in there to do yoga, uh, on Sunday mornings, I lay in my back after I've had a little bit of mushroom tea and I do some, some breath work, like a holotropic breath work session and just drench the floor in sweat. But, but now I have this, this, uh, trigger that goes off when I, when I walk into the sauna where my, my entire body just relaxes. So mm. it's to the point now where when I get to the end of the day and I'm stressed and we're having dinner in a half hour or whatever, and I know I need to turn on my parasympathetic nervous system, I go in the sauna and I, I mean, you, within 30 seconds, my body just knows, okay, this is the place. It's like same thing when you, when I sit in the, in the little rocking chair in my living room, that's always where I write. And so my body just goes in a writing mode, mm. you know? So, You've classically conditioned yeah. your sauna yes. into being a yes. parasympathetic state. Yep. That's dope. I suppose I could just put a net Netflix and some pizza in there and conditioned it for other things. But yeah, right, right now it's 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 the holy place in the basement. That's really good, man. You. It seems like something that you've come. It seems like you've made a lot of headway in learning how to relax. It seemed like in the past, like I've heard you say like that. Someone's like feeling like you need to listen to every podcast and read every book and have every factoid and more, more, more. Um, do you feel like you've made, am I, am I accurate with that? With saying that even in the first place? Well, I certainly still struggle when my wife is out in the hammock on the patio, sipping a glass of wine and staring off into the sunset, going out there and joining her without feeling as though I need to be off doing something. And sometimes that doesn't mean business, right? Sometimes it means I need to finish chapter 26 of Harry Potter book five, Hmm. or I need to go learn that song on the ukulele that I've been trying to nail, or I need to, uh, I need to go, go cook something for dinner. And, you know, I could have used these 10 minutes to, to learn how to sous vide or, you know, whatever. I always have thoughts going in the back of my head about productivity. Hmm. Um, and I think that's just the way I'm wired. I think that, that many people are wired and you can even test things like this, like your, you know, the amount of time that serotonin and dopamine hang out in the synaptic cleft is different for different people. And some people just need that, that they, they thrive on that neurotransmitter release and, and they're, you know, those are perhaps the more, um, hard charging, high achieving members of society, but also the people who, if they don't take care of themselves, tend to be the people who, either you know, become morbidly obese building their company by the time they're 40 or you know dropped out of a heart attack because they're trying to race an Ironman triathlon while at the same time you know travel to 10 different cities in a month and you know they're eating crap food because they don't have time to eat because they won't spend the time and so uh, I accept the fact that I am pretty hardwired for productivity and, and for constantly going 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 but at the same time um I have learned to to relax. Even when I relax, though, I relax with purpose, right? I mean, like if I meditate, I'm meditating because I know I'm decreasing salivary cortisol and I'm improve my deep sleep cycles and, 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 you know, improve my lifespan and decrease the rate at which my telomeres shorten. And, you know, I don't just meditate because it, feels good to chill out right mm-hmm. so. where do you think that comes from i think it, I, I think that that's a that's kind of a core belief or pattern instilled in me during childhood because i grew up in a in a very weird environment in which i was able to self-select my learning pattern and was not influenced by peers or discovering things at the rate at which other people discovered them. I was homeschooled. 
and homeschooled in, in almost a very odd way where I, I, you know, my parents would buy curriculums and just give them to me and, and I would go through them at my own pace and I, I, I didn't really learn um, or, or never really grew up with this idea of, you know, stop and take recess or, you know, or pace yourself at, at you know, whatever, a chapter a week or I, I would just move through stuff and, and eat it up as fast as I could and then move on to the next thing. And, um, even in college, I, you know, I worked five jobs. I took 28 credits a semester and, and it, uh, part of it is because I like to achieve, but part of it is because I never learned otherwise. Mm. Like I, I just grew up filling every single day from the ages six with as many things as I could, you know, and, and for me that might mean, you know, finishing all my coursework by 11, but then I'd be off hiking in the hills you know, catching rattlesnakes and finding rocks and building castles and coming home and going to tennis practice, then going to soccer practice. And, you know, I'd, I spent a ton of time at the library and I would go to the library and find as many books as I could and sit in bed till 2 a.m., you know, reading Arthur Conan Doyle and C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. And um, just that was the way I grew up. Do you think it comes from Get, getting <clears throat> shit done? Yeah. Do you feel like it comes from a place of like contentment as the foundation layer and then the joy of creation or do you think that there's ever like a busyness because when escape. the busyness goes away yeah right right escape i think that there is an element of escape and i recognize that because i see that in my mother um she's very hard to nail down like hey mom you want to have a conversation you want to sit down and talk and it's like yes and it's five minutes and then she's on her phone and then she remembers she has to go do something and then she's talking at you but she's talking at you from the kitchen while she's right. you know, preparing something and so i think i got some of that from her hmm. um it, it, at the same time though i don't feel as though i'm escaping pain or or trauma or something like that i think uh for me it's almost just escaping the the discomfort of feeling as though i'm not contributing to the planet when i'm sitting still mm. like i feel like that's the best way i can describe it i feel like i'm i'm shorting myself in terms of achieving my purpose in life if i'm just kind of slacking off and not doing something and even, yeah. Again, even when I'm when I'm meditating or reading fiction or whatever, like it's always it's always to achieve, right? Like I'm reading Harry Potter, but I'm reading it so I can you know, understand what my kids are talking about when they're discussing Voldemort at the kitchen table, and so I can take them to Harry Potter's Wizarding World, and you know, so so yeah, it's uh, it seems to be just the way I'm wired. Were you talking about that in the? I did a f podcast with. Tate Fletcher and Aubrey Marcus and uh, Kyle Kingsbury, mm -hmm. and uh, that this like literally exact conversation is one of the things we were talking about in relation to like um, being you know, like starting off like from the root place of that contentment and not necessarily like sometimes I think we seek validation or love through achievement or not putting this on you at all more putting this on like myself is that potentially come from like if I don't give then. You know what I mean? As opposed to, I just genuinely want to give because it feels mm -hmm. it feels good. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I, think I don't think it, I described uh, that very well, but you, I, I get what you're saying, and I think for me, it, it's not necessarily I, I want to give because it feels good, or, or I want to give because the world expects this of me. Um, it's more like not giving feels lazy mm -hmm. to me, like like. When I'm not in a state where I am um, creating or or serving or giving or just doing something productive, I almost I almost get guilty that I might be in too much of a consumer mindset. Yeah, that's I'm just like that's good. Sitting around, sucking in air, eating food, right? Just laying around as this piece of flesh, just kind of. You know, not making the most of, of whatever life I've been given. Mm. So in relation to the, the book stuff, that was a big part of, of what I wanted to, to talk about. Um, one of the chapters in there is how we, how our home forms us, you know, and how our, you know, mm. our office forms us and our, you know, anything that we are exposed to our, forms us. That's our like sauna forms us. Our sauna <laughs> literally forms us. Yeah. Um, is there any kind of like standout? type things within your own home that you found to, to form you and your family in a positive direction that maybe you might not be so common in the Western world? 
Sure. I've never been asked that question, but I can certainly think of a few things. Yeah. Um, really? And, you've never and, been asked that question? No, never. I mean, I've, I've been <laughs> asked. I like you'd be I've like the asked, lord of that question. <laughs> no, I've been asked, how do you biohack your home? How do you, you know, how do you wire your home? And what kind of lighting do you have to reduce flicker? And oh. how do you minimize Wi-Fi and EMF and volatile organic compound? But in, in terms of, of wiring enough. up the home for... Um, I forget, how did you phrase it? How it forms you. Uh, yeah, how it forms you. Well, I talked about the sauna, you know, having a place of relaxation and meditation, almost like this, this, uh, um, you know, like a holy place in your home that you go to, to, to meditate or to worship or to be in solitude like or that. to read or whatever the case may be. I think also a place to gather is very important. And we have two gathering places, in, in addition to the sauna, which I suppose you could say is a gathering place to a certain extent. Uh, we have a very large dining room table in a very open place. And we designed the home to entertain people at that table. It's this giant oak table from a huge tree off the coast in Oregon enormously heavy it's the worst part of my life when my wife asks me if we can move the table a little bit because there's like an extension to it so you can move it but it takes I've, like four people i've, I've ate at that table quite the project you have yeah yeah so this enormous table that allows us just gather underneath this you know this this rustic chandelier that hangs from the from the vaulted ceilings in this barn style home and having that recognizes a place where you gather to eat and recognizing food as something that brings people together and <laughs> connects people. And, you know, it works both ways. Not only does food connect people, but when you're connecting to people, you're more connected to your food, you digest it better, and your blood glucose response to the meal is lower, and your parasympathetic nervous system is more primed to, to receive a meal. I think that having having an uh, like like this honored location that mm. you go to to eat in your home, uh, we also is is important. We also uh, prioritize family dinners. Right? We eat our dinners actually later in our home, close to around 8 p.m., which flies in the face of Ayurvedic wisdom to you know finish your meal within three hours before you go to bed and. And I get that, you know, the concept of intermittent fasting and compressed feeding windows and not going to bed with your blood sugar high. I think there is wisdom to that. But at the same time, I think the pros of being able to eat together as a family after everyone has finished their, you know, their jujitsu practice and their tennis lessons and, and mom's done with everything she's doing and the goats and chickens have been put to bed and we're just all... We're all done, and we can relax and have dinner together and not be thinking about whatever, rushing out the door to, to show for the kids to some sporting event or you know, remembering to, to tie up all the emails in my office in the basement or you know, just remembering to go take care of the chickens or whatever. We, we just take care of everything, then we sit down at the table. And often that's like you know, 8, 8.30, but uh, we have our family dinner, and, and we take out you know, table topics games or we play hearts or... You know, or or, or uh, exploding kittens, or bears versus babies, or whatever the kids want to do. Usually, I don't know what any uh, but, of those are. But, yeah, they're they're, they're they're like card <laughs> games that you can play during. Day. Go sushi is another. You know, card games that you can, or games in general that you can play, but but still be able to eat. You know, versus say like I don't know, Pictionary is hard to play when you're eating because you're trying to draw and act, and it's just yeah. it's too involved. Um, and our dinners will often last like an hour. You know, we'll finish up dinner like around nine, then everybody just kind of packs up, and I play a little guitar, and we say some prayers and go to bed and and it's a wonderful way to end the day but that dining room table serves as almost like the central gathering place we also have in the corner of the kitchen what's called the breakfast nook and that's different right that's that's where the kids will have breakfast and that's where they do their gratitude journaling in the morning before they head out to catch the bus to school um, usually I'm in the kitchen doing all my weird stretches as my coffee is warming, but simultaneously talking to the boys about their day, you know, they're at the breakfast nook and that that's another spot where, where, you know, it's a, it's a gathering place. Um, upstairs, you know, the, the bedroom, for example, there's, there's no television. There's, there's no you know, office in our bedroom or computers in our bedroom. It's all lit with, with red incandescent light. You walk into the bedroom and you're given the impression, oh, this, 
this is a place to sleep or to make love. There's there's not a lot else that goes on in the bedroom. It's just this wonderful place of, of relaxation and and you know it's very defined when you walk into the bedroom. There's not even bookshelves or anything. Like it's it's just a place to to sleep and to love and and that's it. And and so the the bedroom is designed in such a way that there are there are very few distractions. You know, it's not like the a hotel room where there's a telephone and a computer and a TV and a remote and so um the the bedroom is another place that comes to mind when you ask that question. Um, so yeah, there's there's a sleeping component. There there's the eating component. Um, yeah, there's a movement component too in our house, which I think you appreciate, and I think your audience would appreciate. Uh, there's a yoga trapeze that hangs in the living room, and a neck traction device, and elastic bands tied to all the different poles and planks that are cool. that are hanging around the house and you know there's a there's kettlebells littering the the floor of the room next to my office and pull-up bars and a you know a hex bar that's always loaded up with weight it's there's not a room in our house i would say uh, aside from from the bedroom uh where where you don't feel as though you could almost do a workout I suppose you could do a workout in the bedroom as well uh but it's uh yeah, it's, it's it's designed for movement as well. The house is like it's very open, but there's a I've just I've littered the place with all all manner of, of little exercise tools. You can mm. you feel as though you could just kind of move all day long, which is nice for me when I'm on phone calls and, you know, walking around the house, hanging from this, hanging from that, doing a few pull ups in between calls, lifting a few heavy things. You know, it's like you get to the end of the day and that canned workout that we all feel guilty about at the end of the day that we don't have the time to do because we're exhausted at 6 p.m. and we don't want to do a formal exercise session. You shouldn't have to. Yeah. Like exercise should be an option at the end of the day and really only a necessity if if your personal Mount Everest is because you you want to go do the CrossFit Games or train for a triathlon or a Spartan race or you're trying to whatever, gain muscle bro or you know whatever the case may be. Yeah, you, there, there's a time and a place for a formal hardcore exercise session. Yeah. But you should ideally design your home or design your office or hack your environment so that you're engaged in low-level physical activity all day long, you know, hanging and, and lifting and moving so that a, a workout session at the end of the day is just, you know, it's optional. Mm. It's the icing on the cake if you do it. Yeah, that's like um, yoga, <clears throat> the, like the, the origination of yoga, the intention of the one, like the asana, the movement practice is only one of the eight limbs. And the intention of the asanas within that was actually to prepare you for seated, seated meditation. Mm. So the asanas were just based around like, okay, well, you're sitting in place during this meditation all day um, or, you know, for a while. We need to kind of move your hips around and kind of explore a little bit so we can get back to that work. Mm. And then Western culture has kind of taken this like aberration of it being like we're just obsessed with the shapes and like the, the muscles and the sweat. Yeah. And. Warrior one, warrior two. Yeah, you got to get it. You got to get yeah. it. You got to get that warrior. Yeah. You know, but it feels to me like perhaps a root, or I'm kind of curious what the root of that is, our obsession with muscles and the six pack and creatine and the, I like creatine, um, you know, but where that, that kind of deviation came from, as opposed to it just being like, yeah, you live your life and you move. It's pop culture. Mm. I mean, for me, I, I grew up with Rocky. Yeah, right. <laughs> that guy looked amazing. Like when I was ten years old, it's like Sylvester Stallone. You wanted to look like him or, or Yvonne Drago. Oh or, God, uh, you know. And, and bet between that and uh, and you know, Men's Fitness and Flex Magazine and everything, I'd uh, you know, and and my my brother's best friend's dad was a bodybuilder, and and he was always you know at the house, you know, showing us how to use the barbell, but you know, it's you know, how to do your your whatever your concentration curls and, and your calf raises right mm -hmm. to, to to tone certain muscle groups i mean like i grew up in an environment where like having muscle and having a six-pack and getting your flex on in front of the mirror or whatever like that was just like i was being a man mm -hmm. right my boys are growing up with the idea that being able to make fire and shoot a bow yeah. and help mom haul alfalfa down to the barn is being a man Right, totally different concept. So I think so. I question if I think there was a deviation at some point where we lost that alfalfa and fire creation, and before you and I, that's when there was that kind of split towards testosterone and just like get mm -hmm. huge and have these superficial yeah. markers. 
of success because we don't know how to make fires anymore. Yeah. Maybe. And, <laughs> and we're also, the, the tricky part too is you and I being in the fitness culture, uh, even being in fitness media and health media, a big part of success in that is actually looking good with your shirt off on your Insta story mm-hmm. or, or being, being caught on camera and, and, and looking like you maintain six pack abs year round. The, the sad fact, but, but the completely realistic fact is like, that's what you're judged on. Like in our environment, often that's what your income depends on people see you and, and you look like crap or, or even if you don't fit into their expectation of what yeah. a, what an ideal body should look like they may not buy your book or listen to your podcast so we've almost painted ourselves into a corner totally. to a certain extent and, and I, I think that people are becoming more and more aware that you know let's take for example a guy like you know Wim Hof you know he's he's fed he can shut shut down you know inflammatory cytokines in response to e coli by doing breath work and getting into the cold but you know he's not like the kind of guy you're going to see on the cover of men's fitness right he's just like this hair kind of looks like you right now he's a hairy bearded <laughs> freak um he, in a sauna yeah 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 I, I would love for us to get to the point where your body is simply a consequence of of an active lifestyle in which you've made yourself harder to kill and able to provide to to provide and to protect and and to procreate right like and, and if if you've optimized your ability to do those three things then i think that uh, uh, uh you know having a six-pack abs or you know or, or um you know looking like you have calf implants is is really not necessary but because i would say 99 percent of people in fitness still do judge you on those parameters it's 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 kind of tough right there's always that pressure to yeah to be fit dude i'm literally going through that right now because i'm doing photos for the book in like three or four weeks or something like that so i'm like oh shit i gotta put on 10 pounds of muscle yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's not my healthiest state exactly. <laughs> and I, I like i won't deny like it's also fun for me to like put on some good music and go lift heavy shit. Oh yeah. Right. But, but that's primal. That's cause I'm hunched over a computer. Like when I was in college, I was a painter. I was going up and down ladders all day. I was hauling buckets. I was hauling ladders. I, I was, uh, you know, uh, power washing homes. I didn't have that deep of a desire to work out after a day of painting. Right. So part of it too, is we live in a post-industrial era where, we kind of want to scratch that itch to move. And that's why I say hack your environment so you can move during the day. But yep. then there's also something about just like movement, not even being woven throughout the day, but movement being this, like this, this thing that you do as like its own core session for, for the pure sake of, of movement where, you know, it feels good to go smash yourself sometimes, you know, whether that's, you know, on a hike or in the gym or, you know, for me, I used to do Ironman triathlon and, and, man, it felt great to go and just like swim across an icy lake and back and, and just completely fill yourself with lactic acid and be exhausted at the end of the day. Like mm. that feels good. Mm-hmm. you know. And, and I think that there's some kind of a primal urge for that as well. It's just been bastardized, you know, with gym culture and, you know, indoor fluorescent lights and treadmills and, you know, Nautilus machines. And, yeah. 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 I think in the most part in, in the wild, whatever that means, um, it probably wouldn't be like concentration curls over and over again. Right. It, but it might be like making a fire, which is kind yeah. of like a repetitive bodybuilding exercise in a way. Well, it's more of like an endurance, but still it is like a re- repetitious movement. Mm-hmm. So maybe there could be some value there. I don't know. Yeah. I like to yeah. Same both sides. Doing a, doing a bow and drill fire. It's like doing a lot of, what's that, that horrible contraption in the gym oh where yeah you, you do that you wrist use your wrist or extensor to, thing to, yeah, yeah you wrinkle yeah, up, the, wrinkle the, up. The, yeah. the cord yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> it's a horrible great. exercise I used to do a lot of those i was talking to you i'm sure you know um alan christensen dr christensen yeah. um he's he's kind of like a, a liver guy isn't he yeah amongst other things thyroid, thyroid, liver, thyroid yeah. metabolic resets yeah. his most recent book the other one was um i think thyroid reset i think anyways um but I was just talking to him, and one of the things that he mentioned in the beginning, you mentioned Ayurveda. I'm gonna jack up the sauna. Yeah, talking, I was actually thinking about doing that, but I, I was already, I already did it a couple of times. So I didn't want to interrupt. Oh, yeah. I'm turning it all the way 
<laughs> Boom. <laughs> yeah. um, if I didn't already mention we're in a sauna, I'm sure we did that in the beginning. Though. Um, so, but one of the things he mentioned in relation to Ayurveda that I just thought was so cool was from that perspective, they've, and this is, he told me this, I haven't read this specifically yet, but from that perspective, they look at like what you imbibe through your eyes, what you ingest through your eyes, through, through, you know, looking at mm-hmm. things. It's literally as though you're, you're digesting information. So we think of information going in, like, as far as like nutrients going into our, our mouth hole, but we don't really necessarily pay attention about what's the, the nutritional value of the images that you're, you're actually taking in and absorbing. And it was interesting. Just what think, do you mean? I mean, you're not talking about something similar to breatharianism where no, you, no, no, no. Where you, you breathe the air and somehow that no. creates carbohydrates in your body via the minerals in the air. No, more like metaphoric nutrients, like not actually tangible, but maybe, you know, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, but, but specifically like, for example, like looking out a window into seeing like green pastures or, you know, what have you, you okay. know, out over the forest has a vastly different effect. And there's been studies around like, uh, patients needing less, uh, pain medications and getting out of hospitals sooner when they have just a window or even a picture of something green versus a person that's just staring at like a brick wall. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a clearly physiological effects from oh, me yeah. looking out. Oh, we certainly have a pleasurable response to, to colors and vibrancy and also a sympathetic nervous system response. I, Yesterday, I was on a walk near here in Venice Beach. Um, I was listening to a podcast, and I was walking, and I was very much at peace. I was looking at the sky and the, mm. the trees and... You know the the information packets that I was consuming. They were they were coming at me at a pace that my brain could process, <laughs> and I felt wonderful. And I decided that for lunch I was going to walk over to Erwan and have lunch at, at Erwan. And as soon as I walked in there, I just felt packets of energy bombarding my <laughs> eyes from people <laughs> and cash registers and beeping and food and samples and all of a sudden you 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 know when you've crossed the threshold into slight overwhelm and i could feel right away the parasympathetic began to shut down and my fight and flight responses began to take over and you know and my body tensed up and and a lot of that i you know i i still had the audio going in my ears right so nothing had changed from an auditory standpoint but mm-hmm. it was all of a sudden my eyes were just getting bombarded with all these new packets of information at, at too rapid of a pace yeah in my office back to the home is a giant picture window that looks out into the forest and i've got this walking treadmill where i'm just walking and and i can look at the trees and the mountains over the peony prairie in spokane that that lead out or, or, or that the, the trees lead out to and i can focus on objects near and far and whenever i'm 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 concentrating on that that visionscape i mean it's a totally different feeling as opposed to when i lower my eyes and go into the laptop mm-hmm. yeah and so that was my that was where you went was was my curiosity is that something you paid attention to the, those packets of information in your house um outside of the office like anywhere, anywhere our, else? our house is relatively minimal um, which that's it, another it's, it's it's not cluttered with many things yeah. uh, probably the one thing that clutters up the most of our house are books we own a lot of books my children have a lot of books they know that if they want to buy a Lego or uh, a toy or anything like that that that's something they use their money for that they've saved and they can go out and buy that uh, but if they want a book the unwritten rule in our home is dad will buy you any book you want. There are a few exceptions like Captain Underpants or Diary of a Wimpy Kid or right. you know, one of these insipid brain melting books. But yeah. for the most part, uh, I buy them any books they want. I have the same rule for myself. I have, I have zero guilt about you know, spending whatever, 50 bucks a day on Amazon, you know, buying, buying a random handful of books that people have told me I, I should read or people I want to get on the podcast or whatever. So there are just books all over our home. Um, somewhat organized. It's not like you walk in and trip over books, but there's a lot of books in the home. Aside from that, it's it's pretty minimal. I yeah. mean, um, it's very minimal. It's like there's there's very few closets you walk into that are cluttered. Um, the it, it's just a very clean, decluttered home. Not because we clean a lot, but just because we don't own that much shit. Like we're we're very good at saying no and. 
you know, the only thing that makes that difficult is there is a spot in the garage where for me as a as a blogger and a and a podcaster this might happen to you too you just get random boxes of shit sent to you like yeah i used to think it was great yeah yeah (laughs) i I made it christmas every morning that that slowly becomes hell because it's like (laughs) i can eat a maximum of like one energy bar a day right and you have boxes and boxes and you feel bad because mice are eating them out in the garage and it, you know, and you get all these exercise devices that just like, I want a barbell, a kettlebell, a hex bar, and maybe a couple of sandbags. Right. Yeah. But people send you like this special thing you attach to your arms with the claw and the hand that extends and attaches to the dumbbell and the, the eighth different shaped foam roller that, so these nipples are different i swear yeah and it's like dude fuck me i don't even even know where to put all this stuff so so there's like a section of the garage that is kind of cluttered up with random exercise gear and supplements Uh, aside from that though it's it's a pretty clean home and that stuff's kind of out of sight out of mind yeah i think there's things and I, i was reading research around this when when you are looking at a cluttered place like it takes up literally takes up like neurological real estate like when you look out into your desk or you know your your room you're you have a memory there's 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 bandwidth that you're devoting to each individual piece that's in that room and when you have a clear -er space or like a feng shui balance type space you look you go into that room it's like oh Mm -hmm. yeah and what that is physiologically i think is just so like endlessly interesting you know how we translate that information yeah it is and what's interesting too is when you you walk through a through a forest yeah it's kind of cluttered Totally. <laughs> There's rocks and mushrooms and moss and fallen tree limbs. Feng shui and AF, though. Roots. Yeah. <laughs> but for some reason, it doesn't stress. You know what I've thought about, though, is if, if you're like a plant foraging wilderness expert tracker, maybe it does stress you out. Maybe you're walking through the forest and you're like, I could eat that right now or I could eat that right now. Yeah. And oh, that species of bark shouldn't be there. And, and you know, that, that mold is going to take over that tree. And in 20 years, that clump won't be there. So maybe, maybe if you knew enough, the forest would be distracting and stressful too. But uh, it is kind of, kind of a paradox that, you know, a, a cluttered up natural outdoors environment really doesn't stress you out at all, but you walk mm-hmm. into a home, it's the same way. And, you know, it you, just seems out of place. I think French gardening versus English gardening, there's like a stark contrast between one, I don't, I don't remember which one, but the one they want to organize it and make lines and make it, and the other one they want to have that wild aspect mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. Have you heard such I a like, thing? I don't know, but I like the, like we have <laughs> eight raised garden beds and I simply love what my wife does out there in the spring because the, the, all the deer fencing that's up so that the whitetail don't eat all of our vittles, uh, it, it's all covered in, in vines with tomatoes and beans and they're crawling up everywhere and you walk in and you almost get lost in the green. It's very wild. It's organized. You kind of know where the kale is and, and you know where the Swiss chard is and you, you know where the cilantro and the rosemary are growing. But it's also kind of wild, right? Like it's not like this this pruned, clean garden. Mm-hmm. I like that, which is kind of odd, right? Because I like my office kind of organized and tidy and I want to know like where to find which books and, and, you know, my office just has the one clean Apple computer and the external monitor on it and that's it. But when I go outside in nature, I kind of like it wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There was, I was talking about John, John Roman, Roman, I don't know how to say his last name. Roman Yeo? Roman Yellow? I like you know Roman, Roman Yeo. Roman is fun. <laughs> it's yeah. a double L. Yeah. I think, I think it's John Romanello. Romanello. Yeah, I think so. I haven't talked to him in a long time. All right. Yeah. But anyways, so we were talking about like language and writing and such. And that was a, a similar, this, this relates to similar, how like older, like our parents, they were way better. You're, you're quite good at this actually, but they were really way better with like, grammar and form and structure to the sentence whereas like modern people like millennial folks we like just talk into the phone and it writes stuff so our our expression is much more blah out of our head and it's it's literally that's it's 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 forming the way that we write but i think it's also interesting how the way that we write and the way that we read forms the way that we think and the way that we perceive i think the same thing happens with our home or nature or 
That's yeah. interesting. A lot of books these days read like a mashup of blog posts and things, right? <laughs> yeah. Bold, italicized, <laughs> 28 ways to get that, and then you move on to the next. And Yeah, it is interesting. It, it has changed the dynamic of, of literature mm-hmm. in a sense. Yeah. yeah, and I wonder how that changes the way that we think specifically, and the way that we perceive things, and I don't know what the answer is exactly. It's just something that I'm doing. I, I, th- I think that it shortens attention span, and it it decreases our ability to be able to communicate effectively, in my opinion. Mm. What does effectively Um, mean? Meaning being able to elucidate your thoughts in an elegant, clear, and complete manner. To be able to... And I, I, I suppose Mm. if there's one saving grace to Twitter, sometimes you'll write something and it's just like a vomiting on, on the keyboard and, uh, you know, like, uh, for example, um, you know, this, this study talks about the effect of whatever kimchi, sauerkraut and yogurt on your gut. And I think it's really interesting. You should go check this out, Right. you know, and, and someone who's good at, at Twitter or, or tweeting might say, fascinating article on ferments right colon right a little alliteration and that's it right four words yeah, we're in yeah. we're out. so so maybe <laughs> maybe there are certain circumstances in which it does teach us how to communicate more clearly and effectively but i think that people are becoming more and more used to receiving information in small packets or receiving it in almost like a very conversational bolded here italicized here single sentences just, just almost a very different form of literature compared to what we might see in like you know the great books. You know, I, I doubt there's there's a lot of contemporary children who would really be able to handle like Homer's Iliad or Odyssey. Yeah. And, you know, and, and one could argue, well, maybe there's not a need for that. Right. But I think I think that creating great art can be hampered and, and hurt to a certain extent by this idea that that you create it quickly and it needs to be needs to be something that someone can consume from their smartphone in a very short period of time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so in relation to sound we and we'll wrap up soon cuz we we got to wrap up. Um but in relation to the sound uh, that's another chapter in the book is around how sound forms you as well. You know, so things like, you know, for like the babbling brook versus like traffic, you know, and how that the impact that has in like ADHD with kids and just like the formation yeah. of our brains. It's interesting when we start looking at sound like pollution, sound Huge pollution. Yeah. yeah. That's something yeah. that you, you've been stewing on for a while. Is there any kind of like standout things that you do in your own life with that? I've left most of the trees standing on our property. I've cleared the ones in close proximity to the house because I don't want to wake up with a redwood branch in my roof on a windy night one evening. You know, I, I, I want to protect the home and the roof. Uh, but aside from that, I've left many of the trees up because they serve as perfect insulation, as do if you're, you know, if you live in an, in an urban environment, bushes and and uh, you know, and, and planters and and you know planning for the future and planting trees when you first move into a home you know you're going to be in for a while so that those eventually begin to insulate the home uh there's there's uh some possibility it may also protect us a little bit from this emergence of 5g you know just the Mm. more plant dense plant matter you can have surrounding your house might also help you not just with sound pollution but also electrical pollution um in in addition to that a few of the things that that I incorporate in, into our home, um, we have a lot of background music going, but usually it's very very mellow music. Um, I'm a big fan of classical or just like, like some very laid back folksy country. Um, we don't have a lot of, and, and they've even looked into like appliances and things like that and the noise that those make. Like we're, we don't we don't have a lot of like beeping Bluetooth enabled appliances going all the time. I a noticed lot of times that with we'll your run, place. We'll run the dishwasher yeah. at night, um, uh, washer and dryer at night, so you're not distracted by those sounds. Um, what else do we do for sound? There, there are a lot of like low level sounds. You know, even Wi-Fi routers have have like this mild, mm-hmm. mild high pitch. There's, there's the Wi-Fi routers never turned on in our home to access the internet. You have to 
plug in via an Ethernet cable to the wall, then plug that into your computer. I wonder uh, when, how long it'll take before that's impossible for people to have wire plug into computers. I feel like they're probably starting to phase that out with computers. Know. I mean, that's Every, a separate everything question. Everything would have but. to be run by satellite at that point or microwave internet. Yeah, so I don't know, but at this point in, in my home, damn it, you got to <laughs> plug it. Sometimes it's annoying, but but you do it. Um, so so we've done a lot to, to mitigate the sounds that electricity makes and then also use nature uh, to to protect us against a lot of the sounds of traffic and planes and everything else. Um, when I'm on an airplane or when I'm traveling, I use foam earplugs a lot. I sleep with very peaceful sound, so I actually sleep with sound, not in the silence, yeah. because I find that actually helps me. me Unless too. I'm out in the forest in our home, in which case, I don't need that. But I typically sleep with like Brain FM or Sleep Stream or something like some kind of relaxing background sounds. Uh, and and then, uh, I think probably the most important thing is to not be afraid of the silence and the still small voices that can speak to you in the silence. Um, it's very simple now in the era of Audible and Apple Podcasts and the ability to be able to have information packets in your ears 24-7 to never hear the wisdom that often comes to you from the silence. Mm -hmm. And I think... You know, some people may even think that they're schizophrenic when they turn off all of this and all of a sudden they can hear things in their head. You know, and that happens to me sometimes when I go completely silent. I begin to hear actual messages in my head. Um, the one that happened most recently was, you know, I often walk and I usually take phone calls when I walk or I listen to podcasts or audiobooks when I walk. And I walked in the silence for about a half hour walk. And as I was nearing the end of my walk, I heard an audible voice in my head. And it said, it's almost too late. It's almost too late. And I was, I was about to go down the trail through the forest, down, down back to my house, about 100 yards through the forest. And I literally just plunked my ass right down and I sat down because I was like, what? Like, this is something important that I'm supposed to know right now. It's almost too late. So I closed my eyes and just began to focus on that voice. And the first thing that came into my mind as I closed my eyes were the faces of my two boys, River and Taryn, who are 10 years old. And the, the, the sequence that followed that was a series of sequences of me as a boy growing up, you know, running through the hills back behind my house playing soccer, you know, shooting hoops with, with my buddies, laying in bed, reading all those books, you know, playing the violin. And it, it was almost like a, a flashback series. There was no, in case you're wondering, psilocybin or plant medicines or anything involved with it. I just sat down and I began to, to see all of these things. And uh, I haven't talked about this on a podcast before, but th this was very recent. And... Uh, I stood up and I went back down to the house and I found Jessa and I said, Jessa, I think we should think about homeschooling again. Mm. I think we need to, to equip the boys with everything that we can equip them with. And I don't know if, if they can get all of that where they're at right now. I think, you know, and, and I said exactly what I heard. I was like, it's almost too late, but we can still create for them the most epic childhood ever. And, and, and literally like right now, like we've spent this week in California planning out the curriculum and, and like this Sunday we will be sitting them down and asking them if they'd like to drop out of school you know, and, and not start sixth grade next year. And that was all in that still small voice in the silence that, that led to this avalanche. But, but there was no question in my mind that that's what the voice was, but it just, just came to me hmm. out of the blue because I had nothing in my ears and I was being quiet and when you think about that, that's pretty big because that might change the lifespan of two young men that could then go on to change the world and make it a better place. And, it, and that all came from, you know, knocking out the sound pollution. Hmm. I love that. That's a great way to finish the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I did that. There's all sorts of more stuff that I'd like to go in with that, but it's 3.59. Time to wrap it up. There's there's a, a quote, or maybe, I don't know, it's, no, it's a quote. I don't, I'm paraphrasing, but Byron Katie, she said something along the lines of, 
um, if you have a question, ask it and then sit in silence and wait for the answer to come. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we're just, it's just, we're like devoid of that in our culture. Right. Right. If you have a question, yeah. fucking dig yeah. in and get I, it. I, 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 I do that. I mean, like, like, you know, for me, for me as a Christian, usually it's like asking the question to God, it's like sitting down, what would you have for me to do? Right. Cause, cause, and, and then we, we do have to wrap up, but, yeah. but it's like, we're all about living our passion. All the, you know, live your passion and, and work feels like play all day long right a little mark twain style mm. but uh buckminster fuller what he said was don't ask yourself what your passion is instead ask god what he wants you to do mm. and sometimes that's the uncomfortable thing that might fly in the face of your passion mm. but it's an interesting way to think about life um asking that question of the universe yeah know, nope. what am i supposed to do what am i supposed to hear love it um, where's the best place to point people from here? I want to learn more about uh, Ben Greenfield fitness.com. Yeah. You can go get your fitness on. Go get your fitness. Yeah. All right. Sweet. Yeah. Dude. Cool. Thanks, Think man. about it. I really appreciate you're this sweat- You're sweating more than it me. It happened. Yeah. It's happening. My, my, yeah. my sweat glands are working. All right. Over and out. Normally I press the button. We got to go outside to Later, do that. Everybody. So it's not. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in that conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, we got a couple things to help support that body of yours. One of which is the Align Band that people have been really loving, which I'm super grateful for. Um, it is a heavy-duty resistance band. comes along with a door anchor, traveling case, and then a online video guide on how to use that thing. It's my absolute go-to travel tool. I've got it hanging literally from my door right beside me now. Um, use it regularly. Use it with clients. Uh, it can be found at alignpodcast.com slash gear uh, on Amazon. And you can also find it at Align Band on Instagram. Um, also, we finally did it. We created the Align Method online program, which focuses on unwinding the patterns of staring into technology, essentially. So forward head posture, rolled forward shoulders, rolled forward spine, kind of like just that hunchy posture thing that um, modern world is, is stricken by, uh, gets into how to align your physical body. So self-care, joint by joint, from ankle to knee to hip to spine to head to neck, etc. Really good stuff. Also gets into lifestyle, um, gets into morning routines, nighttime routines, how to effectively handstand, how to move on the ground. Um, People have been loving that. Thank you all for grabbing it, the ones that have. And if people have any questions about that, you can reach out at Align Podcast on Instagram. I'm happy to support. All right. Thank you, guys. Enjoy your day. Thanks for joining you. Thanks for telling your friends. Thanks for reviews on iTunes. That's it. Pow.